The date is Friday, January 22nd, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. On this episode, we're talking about the game Cyberpunk 2077. Michael takes us through what went wrong from a developer's perspective and the systematic failures that led to the game's train wreck of an initial release. But it's not all bad. There's so much to delve into in so little time. So enjoy! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the third week of 2021. It's New Year Watch. We're here with Michael's very first episode of the year. Michael, you brought something special to us, something if I'm not very, mistaken. Uh, very spicy. Some, some spicy some good content. Spice. <laughs> well, why don't you uh, take the wheel and uh, guide us down the path of righteousness? For sure, for sure. So... What I'm going to be talking about, it's a little bit of old news at this point, but I figured I could give a little bit of a different perspective on things. Uh, We're going to be talking about the rise and fall of one Cyberpunk 2077. Well, now you've got me excited. (laughs) And the perspective that I am going to bring to things is is a developer through this process, uh, where because I and I'll start off by saying like a lot of people would consider what I do not real development to them I say fuck you um <laughs> I a course damn it <laughs> I make websites and web apps and I do so at a high level I'll say I don't want to toot my own horn but it I but I'm he's pretty... been to conferences in a freaking Las Vegas so <laughs> yeah <laughs> he types on a computer and makes I I'm doing do well enough for myself that, to say fuck you um but He's doing way. so well that I had to use Squarespace.com to build our website because he was going to be too expensive. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> no, I just don't have time. <laughs> That's okay. I know that. Uh-huh. I'm too busy playing WoW. <laughs> so I'm excited because... Uh, oh, hey. Shake it off, kid. Uh, I'm excited because we are uh, talking about the rise of Cyberpunk as well, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure dates back to like 2015 or nope, like even earlier than that yep Is it 2012 <laughs> 2012 yeah, eight eight years in the making this game was and i was completely blind to it and its arrival until this year when uh the the not to spoil but the cancels started happening um i don't think it's a spoiler back. when everyone pretty much knows what's going yeah. on with it to the point where it makes it made like international news at how bad this shit was yeah, so that's when I got on board, but I'm interested to hear kind of the beginnings and getting us to the point where they had to keep pushing back the uh, the release date. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of be like intermingling a little bit of the rise and the fall at the same time. Yeah, my, my story with Cyberpunk kind of begins after The Witcher 3, because I, mm-hmm. I was kind of tuned into the CD Projekt Red uh, wavelength, so to speak, and they told me that Hey, we're going to be announcing, we're going to be doing this game. Uh, it's called Cyberpunk 2077. It's going to be like The Witcher, but except with guns and cars. And I said, okay, I'm on board with that. So I was, I, <laughs> okay. that's when I boarded the hype train. And then right. I kind of rode that hype train up until December of 2020. And then I got off and I still haven't bought the game to this day. So <laughs> Yeah, which is a good move for now. Good move for now. <laughs> I got the Pro game move. for Christmas, which was kind of one of the only ways that I knew I was going to get it was if somebody else bought it for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, so I have had the pleasure of playing it. <laughs> the pleasure of playing it. <laughs> we'll get to that, because honestly, like I, I'll start off by saying like 
I enjoyed my time playing the game despite all the problems, but that's not going to be the same it? for No, I got to a point where my game kept crashing. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm just putting it off for a while. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, which sucks because like the game itself is really good, but it's a lot of problems. And so we'll cover that. Well, let's start from, from the, from the, the root of this, this weed. Yeah. Let's yeah. Start yeah. Pulling. <laughs> so I'm going to start by, portraying how I got so hyped about this and why I had such high expectations of this game. Yeah, we so, lost you for a couple of days when it first came out. Yeah, no, I literally <laughs> went into a cave. And the thing that sucked is about half the time that I was in that cave playing this game, I um, was debugging it, trying to figure out what I was doing wrong. But turns out it wasn't me. It was everyone else. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, I'll shoot you all this little premise here of what Cyberpunk 2077 is and the way that I saw it and discovered it. Um, So what is Cyberpunk 2077? It is an open world action RPG that focuses on three core tenets. One, style over substance. Two, attitude is everything. And three, always take it to the edge. Cyberpunk 2077 is a game that takes place in the retro-futuristic cyberpunk universe, which is based on our own world and history, but splits dramatically in 1990 with the fall of the Soviet Union and the resulting dissemination of its nuclear arms onto a black market. This, in turn, leads to a subsequent fall of many world's governments through various different proxy wars and trade wars. In their absence, corporations have stepped in to fill the vacuum left behind and became even more powerful than the governments that preceded them. Without the hindrance of government oversight and ethical limitations came unbridled technological advancement, including things like cyber optics, enhanced mobile prosthetics, and more uh, enhanced body prosthetics, and more powerful weapons than the world has ever known. Multiple corporate wars then break out to further their own economic goals, which control the con- which mu- with much of the conflict taking place in one night city, a fully independent city-state in Northern California controlled by one of the world's largest megacorporations, Arasaka Corporation. The most recent corporate war ending after a nuclear bomb is detonated in Arasaka Tower by a strike team led by one of the most fabled rocker boy merc- mercenaries, Johnny Silverhand, played by Keanu Reeves. The year is now 2077, and you play as V, a mercenary in a rebuilt Night City. Will you try to take down all all of the powerful corporate world, or will you try to become the greatest mercenary to ever live? Your goals are yours, but make sure whatever you do, you do it in style and become a Night City legend. Okay. That's a lot to unpack. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a little bit of like a full world built into that, uh, which for me, like I love games that have a really submersive world into it i'm into Um, it and there's a lot there like it's a game focused on a lot on very heavily on style and who you portray yourself to be which fits really well with this retro futuristic rpg world um but that's a lot to ask for you're asking for body body mod customization both on a like appearance and on a actual gameplay level in a way that you are wanting to dramatically affect gameplay yeah so like there are so many different options for like ways to completely change even just the way your screen looks from optic uh inserts things like that and from like a from a sitting from like a 
an expectation level like there there was a crazy amount of expectation in just that idea alone yep and like even just on the level of being able to like customize how your character looks because that is the embodiment of the style over substance um which (laughs) if you played the game which if you played the game is completely opposite to how the gear system actually works because you're just throwing on whatever has the highest stats, whatever has the most substance, in complete spite of the style that it gives your character. I mean, that's a classic yeah. tale that's told time and time again with multiple RPGs, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't care how goofy I look. What are the stats? And how can I get that stat up? Mm-hmm. Right. But it's more salt in the wound, especially in this setting, because one of the core, very ten- like one of the very core tenets to the system is style over substance. How did they try to pull that off? Can you can you explain? Well, I would argue that the game in and of <laughs> itself is the perfect representation of style over substance. Okay. Because there is so much style and so little substance. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But so this is like it's a lot of stuff that has to happen. You have to have a fully fleshed out world and lore to explore in this game. You have to have a fully fleshed out metropolitan city in night city one that is owned by many different mega corporations where the whole idea of uh this like uh late stage corporate capitalist uh like and we're not talking like what we currently see is like late stage like this is late stages and like literally companies own the world stage Great. uh like this sort of environment where everything is being sold to you Um, there's even little tidbits in the beginning of the game that if you read some of the stories that they present to you, there's one of the top five best corporations to work for in the city. And one of them touts its, uh, benefits package. And, uh, it only has a minimum of an 80 hour day work week. Perfect. Or an 80 hours a week work week. And how that is like, we've never seen that before. Like, that's incredible. It's so low. <laughs> what happened to the, the 401k and the healthcare and the everything else? Is that? Yeah. And then the other <laughs> thing, too, is like, hey, you get access to these premium packages for healthcare that you still have to pay for. They kind of give off a vibe. Um, I mean, cyberpunk was obviously a genre of its own before the game was even conceptualized. Mm-hmm. But um, the kind of goal that they were reaching for when designing this world um or at least what i compare it to is kind of like the san francisco from big hero 6 Mm -hmm. it's this idea of uh this uh, american like down home like business uh from the ground up idea mixed with like japanese and uh more 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 so tokyo representation of the big lights the advertising the like chibi voices and all that kind of going on uh, to sell you these products. It's it's kind of like a New York meets uh, Tokyo. Well, the whole premise of that is the fact that it is a... Technically, this is an American city. It's happening on American soil, but it is mm-hmm. an, independent, an independent city-state. Um, and it's almost entirely controlled by Arasaka Corporation, which is the largest Japanese corporation in the world in this in this fictional universe. And so that's why you see so many Japanese elements throughout the city. It's just because there's so much influence by Arasaka 
um, mm. that it permeates down to even the lowest levels of having Japanese translations uh, for like neon signs and shit. Yeah, maybe that's reflective of like you said it was retrofuturistic. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm looking at that and I'm saying retrofuturistic of what time? Is that the 80s, perhaps? Yeah, because... yeah. So tra- traditionally, when you reference retrofuturism, you're referencing um, the, uh, especially within the cyberpunk universe, it's all based off of uh, like 80s VHSs and um, <laughs> Synthwave. like the whole phrase, like jacking into the mainframe like literally one of the main core features is that you take a a little plug or a cord or something out of your wrist and you can plug that in and jack it into the computer how about that yeah it's uh so you know that like classic 90s graphic art thing where it's like all of the neon (laughs) and it's like back from the 90s that's this whole (laughs) world yeah basically um but talking about Jackie into the Matrix, I mean, no better person that they could have cast in this than like one of the main <laughs> stars of cyberpunk, Keanu Reeves. Literally yeah. in um, the Matrix movie, the star of the yeah. Matrix. <laughs> and I mean, I'll let uh, Michael tell most of it, but there are definitely moments in this game where you're like, oh, that's a complete ripoff of the Matrix. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, what there's a doing. few. There's a few. Um, <laughs> I mean, granted, like everything that happens in this game is like very central to what came before it as far as like the lore goes, like it doesn't deviate from the lore at all besides like it's custom stories and stuff. But like, you like that. Like Johnny Silverhand, Johnny Silverhand is played by Keanu Reeves. He is a main character inside of the cyberpunk world. Um, he, uh, like in the RPG, which is like, it has a tabletop RPG that is where a lot of these books and stories started. Um, the events that you play through where you play Johnny Silverhand for a few moments, they come directly from the lore of the game. Um, the and, RPG game. Yeah. Like the, the books that were written that I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. So there's entire systems, um, uh, for tabletop games that are based in the cyberpunk universe. And that's where those three original core tenants come from. Um, which is why it's so odd for, 2077 to deviate so heavily from them (laughs) Um, yeah it seems like if the source material is right there in front of you then it should be pretty easy to just like calculate that over to game i mean vampire the masquerade didn't do a great job doing it but it's one of these days someone's got to get it right yeah i mean it's it's as a developer taking source material and converting that into a mechanical gameplay feel that is very difficult. Like it is a very difficult thing to do, but there are easy things that you can do along the way to make it happen. And one of the first things that I noticed when playing cyberpunk is how much had to be left on the cutting room floor. There are so many incomplete features, things that feel half baked that I know that a developer or a project manager or a designer or someone along the way wanted this to be fully fleshed out. One of the big things for me is the gear system where at one point I'm sure someone had to point out, Hey, it's kind of dumb that we don't have any, like that we have clothing stores and all that, but like the clothing itself, like it gets easily replaced and like there aren't any real decision making decisions you have to make about the way you look and how that applies to things. 
And it's like, couldn't we just have like a, a, a wow background coming through a transmog, the ability to, uh, the ability to customize your essentially overlay of your clothing. Like you essentially it's where you keep, get to keep the base stats of whatever clothing you find, but you get to make it look however you want. Right. Uh, it's like that would be just a basic thing that they could add of style over substance. I like that. Um, Another thing that was just like immediately present with the whole like leave it on the cutting room floor that you were talking about. Do you know how many doors I walked up to and it was like, sorry, locked. Yep. Ouch. Yep. Well, and like I I thought like when I first saw that, I went to one of the Ripper oh, like docs. I'm, I need to I need to find a key or I need to hack or I need to lockpick this. Well, yeah. And then I wanted I went to like one of the Ripper docs and looked at like the arm attachments and you get these things called gorilla arms, which basically give you a lot more punching power, the ability to like enhance your strength. And one of the key features that it says on the description for that body mod is you can open locked doors. It's like, oh, okay, there's just a bunch of stuff that I could that they've just been like wanting to prove to me how useful these are. So I bought the gorilla arms every single door I walked up to. Sorry, this door is locked, you cannot open it. But you have yeah. the gorilla I don't that's terrible. I mean it's, it's it literally was one of those things where just like they were like, we need to get the main walking path done and yeah. like ready for launch. And we will worry about all of these little bonus rooms later or like they were like we cannot handle the cpu power to have all of these rooms so we'll just take them out so michael that kind of raises a question then is go for it from a developer standpoint which you are a developer for all intents and mm-hmm. purposes is it better to have half a loaf or no bread at all is it better to have these half ass features or does not even have them in the game in the first place I mean, it depends on who you're asking. For me, from my perspective, if I am making a product, I want it to go out and only see the light of day when it is in the best possible state that I can make it. Obviously, that wasn't the case. And that decision ended up coming down from management and the people on the board. And even just today, uh, the like Cyberpunk, the like CD Projekt Red, the developers behind the game released a long form, like a video, like a five or six minute long video explaining the shortcomings of the game. And it's like why they had to release it in such a broken state. And like for me, like I'll say like I I played the game on PC. That's where I play most video games. And despite the fact that I had a lot of problems, none of those problems were really like as big as what was seen on consoles. Um, especially the last gen consoles. I played consoles. it on consoles. I played it on a last gen console. <laughs> yeah, in which you like I hope you can speak more to that because, <laughs> like, I know like technically what the problems were with that, but um, I don't have experience with it. Um, like the big the big core technical problem with it was the fact that they rewrote a lot of their engine from The Witcher Three in order to accommodate a lot of the features that they wanted in Cyberpunk. But they put off wanting to optimize the game uh, for um, for last gen consoles because they figured that it would be very easy for them to do. Well, they greatly underestimated that if it is <laughs> if it isn't obvious, and they had to rush in the last two weeks or so to fit this entire to do this entire thing, and. The big problem is they couldn't optimize their data streaming well enough to 
actually get a good product out the door. Data streaming being what actually sends stuff from the games, uh, from the game's memory, essentially, to what you actually see on screen. Oh, okay. Um, Where that is like extremely limited by the hardware. Uh, And that's where you get to see the things where it's like you walk up to someone and their entire body's just a blur until (laughs) the textures pop in. (laughs) I've seen that. It's like that is all data streaming. Here's what I'll say in note to um, this release of games that we saw kind of around the uh, release of the new generation of consoles. I've been disappointed by pretty much every new game that I've gotten for my PS4 Same here. Uh, within like the past couple months. That being like Call of Duty Cold War, as many hours as Nick and I put into it, solving <laughs> racism and zombies. Um, <laughs> at the same time, like the game is buggy. It crashes. I have to reset all of my like mm-hmm. uh, all of my um my classes that I set up and like we can rarely ever hear each other without having to reset it like five times. So walking into cyberpunk, like I wasn't expecting a lot, I guess, or I was so used to the bugginess uh, just from the other games that had released. Like I had been punished into this uh, kind of stasis of being okay with the glitches Right, and here's, here's, I think, the big difference, and another reason that I was so hyped about this game. Uh, The company behind it, CD Projekt Red, uh, is, before this, was was known for being one of the last respectable bastions of game developers caring about their customers. Larger game developers going out of their way to give the customer, the gamers, the... uh, the largest amount that they could possibly give help them have the best experience possible, no matter what it costs to their bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, they, we've talked about the Witcher three previously for a little bit when I talked about the Witcher universe a long time ago. Um, and the Witcher three is known for being one of the greatest games of all time at this point. Um, the polish into the world and the characters and even the gameplay is incredible. And along with that, CD Projekt Red released multiple free DLCs to the game that are just as long as the base game, um, which is just insanity compared to what we see everywhere else. So it was like the history behind it and the like what we had seen out of CD Projekt Red constantly showed like that they were willing to put themselves on the line to make the best game possible. Um, and along with that, I don't that, think that they didn't do that for cyberpunk though. They did I think though. They, I think that they tried. I just feel like they got a lot of pressure. Oh no, they definitely tried. But the problem is, is that throughout the eight year long process of making cyberpunk, three of which was in pre-production, which is where you're essentially doing the like art, uh, the, uh, or like the, the concept art you're doing things like they, like they brought in a full entire urban designing team, urban design team to fully plan out night city in a way that would logically make sense. Hmm. Um, and they put all this effort in and during that eight year long process, they had said multiple times, we are not going to release this game until we believe it is in a good place, until we believe it is finished. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. 
And so for eight years for them to say that and relay that to us as the consumers really put a big dampening on the release in the state that it was because management and board had to make that decision of we want to make our bottom line look better at the end of the year um, in spite of the customer. Do you think that new gen consoles had something to do with that? I think the scarcity of new gen consoles had something to do with that. I think they were hoping that uh, new gen consoles would have been a lot easier to access for people and that there would have been a lot more people using them so that these bugs would have been minimized. But along with that... But do you think that the release of the new gen consoles kind of forced this deadline on uh, CD Projekt Red that maybe they weren't ready for? It might have. I will say it might have. I don't know, and I haven't been able to find anything that suggests that, but cyberpunk i will say like throughout the community was supposed to be seen as the first game to really show off what next gen consoles can do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which sucks because they didn't even release the next gen console version like there is literally a patch that is going to be coming later on down the line we don't have a timeline on it yet because there's so much other shit broken with the game that they have to focus on that is going to enable the next gen version of the game on newer I'll, consoles. I'll tell you what, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales didn't disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> so we got <laughs> that. You're, you're telling me that even if I went out and bought a PS five and I found it somewhere just miraculously in Best Buy or something like that, I, know I still would, but I'm not telling anyone. <laughs> I still wouldn't have access to the full cyberpunk experience at this point. Not, no, you would not. You would be limited very heavily on visuals and performance um, because it still probably uh, load faster than it does. It does because the actual hardware is better than last gen consoles, but it's still not what it could, what it is intended to be. So Um, let me talk for a second because this feels like a good segue on my experience with it on, um, on kind of an older console because I do play it on the PlayStation four. And I say I do play it because I do still presently play it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, not in the last week, but I definitely have picked it up and I, I look forward to getting back to it. No, I believe you. Um, just not because the gameplay is great, but like I said, because just I can deal with the bugs because the storyline I feel is super powerful. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like the, like the writing's great. But talking on um, kind of what it, the experience on an older console is, the load times seriously make me want to buy a PS5 just so that I'm not sitting there loading <laughs> for that long because they're, I mean, it's clearly built for the PS5, which was supposed to be like instant loading and new gen consoles. I shouldn't just say PlayStation. I know you Xbox people are out there. Just I've never <laughs> met one of you or respected you. Um, they're angry but now. You got to make I'm just kidding. I was, I was kidding. It's a joke. Um, but uh yeah basically it's clear that you're supposed to have like a small bit of loading pretty much after everything you do in the game Mm -hmm. and unfortunately on older consoles it takes like roughly a full minute for the loading screen to go away which doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like a lot of time until you're sitting there doing it um and it's kind of ridiculous when you're just like walking around and you hit a loading screen you're like what the hell did i walk into why is it loading or like you're trying to get into a menu and the loading screen pops up. Um, but that's not the only problem. I mean, 
I was telling Michael, one of my first experiences with the game, the first time that I loaded it up, what ended my play session was I walked into um, what I thought was a strip club, but I ended up being a converted strip club into a brain dance club. So there's some terms for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay. They had a they had a beaded curtain as you walked in, and it was it like made the chimes, and each bead has it had its own physics, so it acted like a real bead curtain. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember I walked through and I was like pushing it like my way through and watching the beads like move apart, and I was like, "Wow, this is so game crashed." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> a beaded too many curtain. polygons. Sorry, a beaded yep. curtain just made my game crash." And I was afraid to load it back up after that. I made it through the beaded curtain the second time. Yeah. But I ended up ending that uh, gaming session too with my game crashing. Yeah. Um, as I have for a lot of sessions of playing. And when it crashes, it's super disconcerting. Like yeah. you don't want to pick the game back up for like a full day before Oof. you're ready to try it again. And like I said, that entire issue is with the data streaming. That is all based off of one service in the game, but it's so vital and core to everything and how it's presented that it can literally crash the game if you overload it. Yeah, for Um, sure. Another thing that I'll talk on uh, real quick, and Michael, you probably experienced this too, and it's kind of a smaller thing, but I want to talk about it. It's so clear that even their like architectural design isn't what they wanted it to be. Um, like, for example, they were like in cyberpunk in the future, like you crawl in at the foot of your bed and your bed is extended portrait wise and blocked in on both sides of the wall. Mm-hmm. But then they were like, uh, no, never mind. It goes landscape. So your bed is sideways. But your character, they never change the animation. So your character <laughs> sleeps in his bed oh, no. sideways. No. He yeah. sleeps... He sleeps with his head going at the top of a horizontal, like if you can imagine like a horizontal rectangle that is yeah. your bed. His head is in the middle of the horizontal rectangle. What the fuck? Yeah, That's like satanic. Ha- like, yeah, That's there, there's <laughs> the polish on the game of what you'd expect or what I would have expected from a CD Projekt Red game is just not there at all. And I never played The Witcher, so that's something too. Is like I don't have that to compare C- CD Projekt Red's work ethic to. I just yeah. never picked it up because, like, I just, I just didn't. I guess so I was influenced up by you guys. So I, disappointed. So I walked into it just like I don't know who these CD Projekt Red guys are, but I'll play their game. <laughs> now I'm yeah. now I'm afraid to play their to play The Witcher because I'm afraid that's gonna make no, Cyberpunk no, 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 suck. No, 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 well, no. Yeah. I w- just because something sucks doesn't mean you shouldn't experience another great thing. Right. Um, Fair. I like the Witcher three is legitimately one of the best gaming experiences I've ever had uh, from start to finish. Um, and the thing, the thing that sucks so much is that CD project red had like literally any time there was a conversation about like what gaming companies you would trust to handle major projects. See, it was basically CD project red Nintendo in some cases, and like from software, the people who make like Dark Souls, and it's like that's it. <laughs> and now it's like that's another bastion of goodwill gaming game development in the world that is just kind of gone, <laughs> which sucks. Uh, hmm. But so one of one of the other things I wanted to talk about is like what this what this process probably looked like for the developers on it. Um, yeah, just tell us what went wrong, really, because like I want to know how did how did you start off saying we're not going to release an unfinished game, and then you keep saying yeah. that for the last seven years, and then all of a sudden, I guess we can 
I don't know. Here you go. It's finished. Well, because <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, eight years for developing a game is a long, oh, long yeah. time. Long. And every single day that you put off releasing a game is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars down the drain. Um, just because of having to cover everyone's like pay and the actual technical costs of running the offices and shit like that. Maybe not hundreds of thousands of millions, but definitely thousands of tens of thousands. It's funny. Um, but like all that in mind of being an eight year project. And like you said, every day it costing them money, like talking about not caring about your bottom line, eight years seems like an expensive development stage it is and so at the end of the day like no matter how much a company is going to talk about how much they don't care about their bottom line how much they're not going to put their developers into crunch time or make them have mandated overtime or encourage overtime at the end of the day a product needs to be released there has Mm -hmm. to be money flowing in there has to be some sort of cash flow Mm -hmm. um and for there to be i mean Five years since the last bit of work on The Witcher 3 was done when the team fully converted over to Cyberpunk, for there to be five years of no new revenue coming in, that is going to hurt. That's going to hurt as a uh, CEO. That's going to hurt as any member on the board. Um, Yeah. Because every single week or every single week or month or however long you wait to look at those spreadsheets – it's just going to look worse and worse and worse. Um, so really, the fault of the game being released early, that's entirely a managerial decision, and that's something that they have to bear the brunt of. But it tells me that there was a faulty process to begin with for it to be five years in the in the making and still not be released in a good state, uh, to where even basic stuff is lacking. Um, so typically, the way that this would all kind of flow is, you would have um, you would have people coming up with general themes, general ideas, uh, and from there, features would start to kind of get fleshed out. The ideas of how they would work, and then they would work alongside the development team to see what that is actually physically like, like what is technically possible to be to happen. And what I'm assuming is that they had their development team incredibly divided because of the vast amount of features that they wanted for this game. And they let that process go on for way too long. Eventually, at the end of the day, uh, as project managers, as designers, you ha- as developers, you have to focus your product in. You have to put, you have to polish something. Um, and if all you're doing is half baking features over and over and over again, one, you're going to get burnt out your, and two, your quality of work life is going to suffer, um, because nothing, you don't get the satisfaction of actually completing anything. Hmm. Um, and so to me, there's a massive project manager side of this that it had to have lacked whether that be developers not communicating well, like where their features actually stand, how well something was actually made uh, to the project managers so the project managers can relay that to everyone else um, or whatnot. Uh, There's just like the process had to lack for it to be five years in the making full time by everyone on staff without really getting anywhere. So this was more of a systematic failure. Like, 
Every it's, part of this system wasn't quite working as well as it could have been. The only people that I would not feel comfortable putting any blame on um, for for the failure is QA, which is weird considering that like like wouldn't QA find everything? Wouldn't QA point out all this stuff? Like how did so many bugs get into the game if QA found them all or didn't find them all if they did a good job? Right. QA is the unsung hero of every video game, of every website, of every app, of every piece of technology put into the world. Who um, is QA? Quality assurance. Okay, so it's not not, not those people who keep, We're not gonna yeah 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 so not like, those people who are trying to tell the president that he's allowed to be a big boy still. Right. <laughs> like a a famous thing that I always think of when I think of like quality assurance and the shit that they get is um I watch I used to watch Game Grumps a lot, which is like a YouTube show uh, where they play yeah, video games and do comedy. I don't know what's that's going on. That's not true. That's not true. They're fine. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but they... they starting point. A while ago, they played a game called Sonic Boom, which is like Sonic games are known for being like horrible at this point and just buggy messes. <laughs> they got to the end. They got to the credit scene, and the section for quality assurance came up, and Danny, one of the guys on Game Realms, just yells, quality assurance? What? <laughs> <laughs> and... <sighs> Subsequently, one of the people on QA for that game <laughs> emailed. They reached out, didn't they? Reached out and was like, "Hey, listen, we found all of that and pointed it all out. This is <laughs> like not us." <laughs> and that's that's the case for every single thing out there. Like QA is a very hard process, but something that people do a very good job on uh, because, like. Generally, like especially in early development in games, QA can be judged on how many bugs they find on the daily, like because these things are that big of a mess, um, and it's just so unfair that QA gets gets lumped into these situations where um, things go out the door in a mess and they get blamed for that. Because I guarantee you, QA pointed out every single one of these bugs. QA pointed out everything that was going on. I can't say that QA probably gave the best reproduction steps, which is just like, hey, I stood over here, opened my menu at this time, I did this in my menu, and then all of a sudden this car appeared out of nowhere. Like, that would be like, a th like the reproduction steps that QA would put down. But it's an open world game. There's so much shit that could have also gone on and caused those problems right. uh, that coming up with reproduction steps is one of the hardest parts of the job. And at the end of the day, I guarantee you what happened was a, an executive, a board member, the CEO or someone looked at the spreadsheet or the Jira board or whatever software they use to track these bugs, looked at that signed off on every single bug that still existed as they believed that is fine. We can release to market with those bugs still existing. And obviously the consumer base didn't agree. Huh? Mm -hmm. Somebody looked at all these bugs and said, no, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. What's yeah, yeah, the yeah. worst thing that could happen? Either, either they underestimated how prevalent these bugs actually were, or they just didn't have the or just didn't honestly I hate saying this because I really don't think this is what it was or they just didn't care. Yeah. They wanted to just get the game out the door. I think it's a 
kind of a combination of the two, but really it comes down to, I think when you're sitting in the hot seat and you're like, we can either release this game and hope that that bug never happens again, and it was completely circumstantial, just because the probability of bugs happening in this open world are kind of difficult to determine, mm-hmm. um, or we can hold off and just try to figure out what small glitch happened in the thousands of things that are going on at once. What they don't take into consideration is the fact that like this game was so hype that thousands and thousands and thousands of people were streaming it, and the the probability of those small things happening, like it's going to happen to two or three people. And if it happens to the wrong two or three people or those people's videos go viral, of the thing happening, suddenly everyone's like, oh, fuck this. Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be different. But so many people played these games and so many of these bugs happened for nearly every single person. Like Myself one of the included and one, you, you as well. One of, one of the funniest bugs that I got and that a lot of people consistently got was when you like sometimes just when you go into the gear menu to look at your inventory it pops up a like a model of your character wearing all their gear um i played as a guy uh and sometimes when that would happen your character's dick would just come flopping out of their pants (laughs) flipping through like all of them are completely like clothed but just like his dick just clips through his pants oh no and you know what in the hours of gameplay that I've had playing this, and it has been uh, at least 10, which is a lot. I mean, 10 hours is a lot of time. Yeah. I have never found a reason that I have a dick. Like, I don't know why it's included. I've never seen an actual gameplay mechanic involving my penis. I don't <laughs> yeah, get well, it. It's just so weird because, like, before the game came out, they made such a big deal about, like, being able to choose your genitalia and having that being like something completely separate from your body type and your voice. And so you could like fully customize like who you are as a person down to the smallest detail. Um, okay. Smallest detail. But then the thing is like too, is like you go to use the shower and the game and it's like your player, your character doesn't even take their clothes off to use the shower. No, you shower fully clothed. And yeah. also there's like a mirror and in the mirror, the, the mirror's only function is you can make faces in it. Yeah. And then and walk away. Yeah, there's literally like, and you can't even in game get yourself down past your boxers. Like, it's so weird that they would make such a big deal out of this. And like, it was supposed to have something to do with the romance scenes that you would get in the game, but a I didn't actually get to any point where I had a romance scene, but from everything that I have heard from other people who have gotten to them is that they're all just incredibly weird and it doesn't matter at all that you actually have a penis or a vagina because it has no bearing on even the sex scene because you don't see it anyways. So why even have, is it just it's, like a gimmick thing at this point? Like that, you, that to me is another one of those things that to me falls on, it's probably something that fell on the cutting room floor that they just had to get that part out of customization because they had advertised it so heavily. They were like, we're going to be like house party and it's going to be a super interactive romance scenes. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if it would be it. like that. I hope um, not. Yeah, that, that game is—it's a strategy game, but it's borderline porn. No, it, huh. it literally is porn. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I watch Game Grumps play it. That's how yeah. I know about Case it. Closed. I totally have never played it myself. No. This episode of Entertain This brought to you by Game Grumps. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so like, there just is basic failures uh, from top to bottom. 
uh, for this entire game. And it just sucks because the game has so much potential. This game, in my mind, which probably just feeds into the whole hype machine, uh, in my mind, this had the chance to be the greatest game of all time. The most fully complete, fully featured, uh, most transformative game of all time. Uh, just because of the setting, what the developers themselves, not the developers, what CD Projekt Red had promised, and as well as CD Projekt Red's history of making games and their goodwill to the community. But now that's all down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, now Which it sucks. feels kind of like a futuristic Grand Theft Auto at best. Which sucks because there are still so many great things about this game, and that's kind of how I wanted to end things off for it. Like, yeah. I don't want to be... I don't ever want to just throw negative shit out into the world without talking about all the good stuff that comes along with it. Because there's a lot. There is a lot of really good stuff here. The story is incredible. The characters are unbelievable and so fully fleshed out. Even, like, your player character, V, is so, like, fleshed out. Like, it's not like playing that, like, straight man in a room full of characters. Like, your character is a person. Yeah, you're... Well, I wouldn't say, based off of what we were kind of promised, because we were promised to be able to fully shape V's personality and backstory, which is not the case. It kind of um, played out more like Fallout 3 in like you unlock choices if you have a certain level in a skill. Yeah, it's either that or it's uh, like you are V has a distinct personality in this game, which is kind of like I get it because Night City like it'd be very hard for us as people of like our world and our, our real life universe to put ourselves in the shoes of uh, this character that has its own history that they ended up having to cut the ability for us to choose their backstory. But like you're taking the, the role playing out of RPG at that point, mm-hmm. which sucks because I, especially cause that's its base material. Right. Like one of, one of the things I'll say, like I spent probably as I do in most games, but in this one in particular, uh, for how shitty of a character creation it actually had, I spent probably close to around the first three or four hours of playing this game, customizing my character. Um, like you do. Because I had the idea of going into it, of essentially recreating a character that I had played in another RPG, in one that um, you and I played together, Alex. I tried to recreate Levi, my uh, Technomancer from uh, Starfinder. Oh. I wanted to be a... Yeah, I wanted to be like a... Essentially like the cyberpunk version of like a spell-casting cowboy. Uh, who yeah, goes they would around... let me be a, a rat man. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a thing they would let me do. I was a rat captain. But I wanted to awesome. do that because I had a distinct vision of who this character is, how they would respond to things, uh, what he looks like, down to like a very small detail... And how situations would play out in his character. I wanted to be him during this game. And I found out very quickly after character creation, that is not going to be the case. Oof. Which sucks. Yeah, I just, I just made a guy who, uh, he, was, he had big swoopy blue hair, a handlebar mustache that was also blue. Mm-hmm. Um, he, had, he was clad in all leather. Uh, but like futuristic leather with like holographic technology and shit on it. Uh, I had yeah. no idea who he was. I just made him because he looked <laughs> cool, and that was it. That's me in every like RPG. Well, I don't know if you want to call Fallout an RPG at this point, but I just make like a cool character. <laughs> I guess that, that was my whole thing was 
that was kind of my whole thing going into this though. Is like I had such high expectations for it that I put all this effort on my own time before even coming to the game, uh, coming up with my own expectations of what I wanted to get out of it that it just could not do. That sucks. Um, yeah. yeah but like, there are good things, like you said. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, some of the mechanics are like really fleshed out, especially when it comes to the hardware that you can get installed. Yeah. I mean, I would say the biggest strong points that this game has, like I said before, is the story and the characters. Mm-hmm. The writing um, is incredible. You get attached to characters nearly immediately. Yeah. They all like, have really good, like, predetermined bonds that you kind of walk into that are super fully fledged out. Yeah, like I, I started as a nomad, which is essentially like a external people who don't live in Night City, who smuggle and are mercenaries, um, like in the world, independent of a corporation. Um, and I through that you meet a character named Jackie Wells for the first time, just on a random mission as you go into Night City, um, and Jackie Wells is a fantastic character. Uh, and you, he's one of those characters that, like you said, you just get attached to immediately. Um, Michael, can I have a heart to heart moment with you? Go for it. When I was playing like as V, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm V. And then they introduced Jackie and I was like, Holy shit, that's Michael. <laughs> and like for the, for the rest of the game, I was like, me and Michael are kind of tearing up, uh, is kind of tearing up this place. Like yeah. we're good partners of shit. Wow. And then, I mean, spoilers, I guess, but really it happened so early in the game. It's it not does. that big of a spoiler, but you watch, you like go on a mission with Jackie and they include kind of a part where I think they were reaching for something they wanted, where like what you wore mattered because you have to like change your clothes to like be in disguise. But that's like the only time it's implemented. But um, you go on this mission and at the end of it, like Jackie dies. Like, yeah, in, like in a, a gruesome death. Oh, snap. And like you have last words with him and like, the driver of this like automatic vehicle that was your getaway car. He's like, what do you want me to do with the body? And like, you have to make that decision and shit like that. Um, And that hurt because I was like, this is my friend, Michael, me and Michael are are robbing this place. Me and Michael are doing undercover missions. And then he fucking dies next to me. And And like, like, it's so crazy because really like realistically, the time that you spend with Jackie is very little. Like you basically have so important. It's so important because Jackie, serves as your introduction into this world of mercenaries and into the like scuzzy underbelly of night city. And he's just this like sweet guy who like has a girlfriend that he's into and like borrows your car and he accidentally gets it scratched up and like a car chase. And like the next day he's like, I got your car fixed up. That was my bad. Hey, yeah. You're like very good guy. guy. And the thing that's the thing that is incredible that they were able to accomplish that is you can kind of tell that after you complete your first introductory mission where you meet Jackie, um, that they were planning on a like a lot more missions, a lot more gameplay where you actually get to meet Jackie through that gameplay. Because immediately after that, they basically take you through a a, a month like multiple month long montage of you and jackie getting closer together <laughs> which it's just kind of like i mean that's kind of like one of those things like it's really cheap as a storytelling tool to do that especially when you're supposed to be the main character you're supposed to be role-playing as the main character but despite that they did that it, it goes to show how good the writing is that despite the fact that they did that that you still get this very strong emotional connection with jackie 
Yeah. And to kind of piggyback on top of that, like the in-game dialogue is most of Jackie's lines when you're on that last mission with him are like, we're going to make it big. Like, this is just the beginning. Like, we're going all the way to the top. We're finally going to make it out of this place. Like, we're going to make ourselves somebody. You and me, man. It's you and me all the way. And then his last words that he says to you is, you're going to be so rich. And then he just, like, flatlines. Yeah. Wow. It's, I mean, his last words, I think, do change depending on your dialogue choices. But every single option, his the way that he responds is just gut-wrenching. Yeah, instead of it being like a weird thing, like he dropped that facade completely for me and was like, you, I, I have a good feeling about you. You're like going to make it out of this. He's You're going to be rich. All around good guy. And then immediately after that, you get the introduction of to. fucking Keanu Reeves hey, uh, as Johnny Silverhand. Who, I thought you were going to talk about how you have to go to Jackie's funeral. Oh, and dude, that's like a you don't have to do that. Moment. You don't have to do did that, do which it? I love. Oh, yeah, of course I did. Jackie's yeah, my I boy. Too. But <laughs> right. I love the fact that you don't have to do that. Like, you get to make that choice of, like, that is one of the very few parts in the game where I see that as, like, a true RPG choice of who you want to be as V. Like, you can mm-hmm. be either the, like, the guy who I wanted to be and who you ended up being of, like, he was my close friend. I have to go pay my respects. Or you could be the side of, like, he was my close friend. I can't handle that. Yeah. Um, like, I can't handle being at my best friend's funeral. Here's something really cool that I don't know if you experience, Michael, but Jackie's phone number is still in your phone after he dies. Mm-hmm. And Can I called call him after every mission I completed. Oh, really? And there's different dialogue for every mission you complete oh, where wow. V updates Jackie's like corporeal form. And he's like, this is what I got going on, man. Like, I don't know why I keep calling you. I don't know what I'm getting out of this, but you'd be like so happy with the shit that's going down. That's and it changes like every time that you call, you can keep leaving voicemails. That's so freaking cool. Yeah. So I do that a lot in game. Like I call Jackie and I'm just like, give him updates. Hmm. And it's like always heart wrenching because you get like his voicemail where it's like, this is Jackie, go for me, or like whatever. Yeah. And like every time V says something different. Ouch. Yeah, that's that's fucking heart-wrenching. <laughs> oh yeah. But like the fact that you're able to do that is so incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that I'm glad they kept in was like you can call anyone whenever and most of the time they'll answer. Yeah. It's not like in Grand Theft Auto where you could call people but you get the voicemail most of the time. Like they'll answer <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but yeah, and then so Another another character, Johnny Silverhand, played by Keanu Reeves, who is a main staple in cyberpunk lore, even before this game ever came out. Uh, because the end of the fourth corporate war, uh, which is like these major wars between these giant companies, uh, was ended strictly because of what Johnny Silverhand did by setting off a nuclear bomb in the middle of Night City. Oh. Like, he... So, like, Arasaka Tower is the biggest tower in the game that it sits right in the middle of the city because the city is basically controlled by Arasaka Corp. And Johnny Silverhand was this rock star where their band actually has real music out in the world. Um, He is, like, essentially a terrorist mercenary uh, that 
vows to break down the corporate world by destroying Arasaka Tower. And what ends up happening is he does that, ends the fourth corporate war, but hundreds of thousands of people end up like dying, dead, sick from radiation poisoning, homeless because their houses melted from the radiation and the heat. Um, and like, they end up capturing him. Yeah, which and like takes you into this game, he doesn't die from being like that close to a a nuclear bomb. And the whole thing is that you have a shard. A shard is basically a little SD card that you can insert into your head and it can do a bunch of different stuff like display information or whatnot. Um, this is what you were going after with, with Jackie when he died. Yeah. The, this is the big thing that you've been trying to get. You put it in your head. Uh, this is all going to be spoilers. Uh, so skip ahead or just stop listening. Uh, if you don't want to hear anymore. Yeah, there you go. You got five, five minutes left in the podcast. That's the place to go. Um, <laughs> you put it in your head after Jackie dies because it has to be stable. It has to be like temperature controlled, all this shit. And then uh, you get Which back. Which doesn't make any sense because they had it on fucking ice and then you put it in your head. Like that doesn't, those are not the same temperatures. I don't, cyberpunk, I'm sure that you can have like, I'm sure that if it is not, act, I think what it is is if it's not active, then it has to be temperature controlled. Otherwise, it has to be used. Yeah, um, it's almost like an organ of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds more like a MacGuffin to me, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, you go back to your fixer. Fixer's the person who gives you your missions, and your fixer He's also a you. sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> you might think so. I didn't. <laughs> oh, you didn't like him? No, I really like- didn't like him. I guess we had different experiences because I was playing a street kid. So like he was like, oh, I know V. I've known V since he was a little kid. Yeah, I know V. No, that was not what I got at all. Yeah, and I had rapport, but I guess you guys didn't. Wow. No. There's two different things here. Yeah. Well, um, you play as three different kind of characters. But yeah, like his whole thing is basically he he left Night City. uh, Dexter Deshaun is his name. Uh, He left Night City a long time ago. Um, because he got into some trouble and he just came back and you're like his first big mission back in Night City. Uh, and so he gives you like all these rants and stuff about, do you want to be a legend or do you want to die? Like pissing yourself from old age. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, he eventually, because the mission fails, you draw too much attention because all he wants, despite being in this world of like wanting to go out in style, He's one, the one person that wants to die of old age peeing his pants. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he's like, you brought me too much attention. Every one of us is going to die because of you. And then so he shoots you in the head. Uh, you get shot in the head. And this is yep. like, and as you're shot in the head, this is when the cyberpunk logo comes up. So yeah. that's that is, how far into the game you are. Hey, hold on. Yeah. That's like that's like Fallout New Vegas where you get shot in the head. <laughs> yeah. Except it, imagine that happening after playing the game for like, seven to eight hours seven i mean that's a yeah. long intro what the I hell know. i was thinking like i was about an hour an hour two, like an hour or two in when that keep happened. keep in mind i it's still too long Let's i took honest. i took three hours to create my character <laughs> that's true <laughs> um like but from that happening the shard is in your head the shard gets activated because it senses that it's inside of an empty vessel it boots everything back out somehow saving your self-conscious bringing V back to life, but now you've got 
Johnny Silverhand who exists on this shard. Uh, so that's what the shard does. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, so you know. we didn't even talk about it. Johnny Johnny Silverhand is on the shard as part of a program that can bring people back to life. It can bring their consciousness back it to life. Downloads the consciousness of the person, and then when it senses that it's in a dead body, it uploads the consciousness again. Or in but a, in a they, quote unquote vessel is cool. I think what they refer to. They took as. the shard out of Johnny's head before he died. So Johnny's so already he dead. was so his consciousness was still on the chip. Right. And then you put it in your head and you died. So now you and Johnny are both inside of your head. That's crazy. Yep. Because both now, of your consciousness gets uploaded. Yeah, and so it, it culminates in like you being able to like see Johnny Silverhand, you getting to interact with him as if he was actually like another character in the world. And it's really cool because Johnny Silverhand, like the the interactions that you see between Johnny Silverhand and V feel very real. Like you cause you play through while V is dead, the memories of uh, Johnny Silverhand, and you get a real sense for who he is and what his goals are. And that's like, you get that butted up against the goals and the personality that you now have experienced for a while with V. And it's like, there's some good conflict there. <laughs> that's some good yeah. character work right there. Not to mention the main conflict of the game, which is that Johnny's personality is slowly overriding your own. Yeah. And eventually... V is going to die and Johnny's going to take over V's body. And no that's what, what V they is do. trying to prevent. They're like, we can't help you with that. We can make it less painful. It's kind of like a cancer diagnosis. Like, it's going to take you. It's just a matter of when. Ouch. Yeah. And he's basically like, live your life out how you can because Johnny can't control it and you can't control it. Johnny can't stop doing it and you can't stop him from doing it. Yeah. Ouch. Yep. And even like one of the, one of the big things that I really like enjoyed about the story is that while they don't like give you mechanically this option, cause it'd be kind of dumb and it would end the game, but it'd be kind of cool if they did. Um, at one point immediately after all this happens, Jackie's girlfriend, Misty, uh, offers you like, here's some beta blockers. These beta blockers are going to like help put off the side effects of all of what's going on. And you can remain yourself for longer or, Here's these other pills, and it's literally red pill, red pill versus blue pill. Oh, um, those bastards. That's Matrix here's, again. <laughs> here's these other pills where you can just make it all go away. Like, you can die, essentially. Like, you can just you speed can things these, up and, and it'll kill... it'll speed up the process. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> that, that was one of the things that, like, I immediately... Sounds like, really? <laughs> Really? Do you want the red mean, pill or the blue pill? <laughs> another is you're basically in the Matrix looking for Johnny's consciousness at some point. When you finally find him, he's like, who are you? What are you doing here? Yeah. And that's like basically yeah, He the turns Matrix. around and goes, whoa. He's like, whoa, who are you? <laughs> Ted he's playing right this there. like perfect combination of like Neo from the Matrix right. and like Bill. <laughs> Bill and Ted. Well, or was he Ted? No, he, I don't remember, but I would say it's more like, it's more like Neo from the Matrix and uh, John Wick. Because when you are playing as Johnny Silverhand in those memory sequences, 
you are the biggest badass on the motherfucking planet. Like, There's a little bit of Bill and or Ted in there in the kind of rock star, whoa, I'm going to be the coolest sure. guy ever. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like, I mean, his, his whole shtick is to use his band to get his message across of like anti-corporatism. Right. Uh, hmm. and, and it's it's just I love Johnny Silverhand as a character just because he's such an antithesis to what you were expecting V to be and who you were playing V as through this whole thing. Um, yeah, they throw a wrench in that shit. They're like, I don't care who you were, you're dying and he's going to take you. So you better well, be ready. And even apart from that, like V's main, no matter like how you play V, his main like goal is to become the greatest mercenary ever. But then mm-hmm. you have Johnny now who's like, shit, nothing changed after I blew it all up. We got to do it again. We gotta do it again. <laughs> like, like everything is still here. That's unacceptable. Like, I have to take you over so that I can use your body to end this corporate bullshit once and for all. There's also this weird thing where they took the chip out of Johnny's head before he died. So Johnny's like, I'm out there somewhere. I'm doing something. Yeah. And like, that's that's all he says. He's like. I am alive and I'm out there somewhere. But like, you don't know if he's alive and you don't know if he's out there somewhere. Well, and also like in game time, it has been 55 years since then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Johnny died 55 years ago. Ouch. Uh, but like the it, oldest guy in the game's like 200 years old. Yeah. So it's like, it's believable. Well, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Well, he still is 200 years old, but... Yeah, but... Um, yeah, so... so much further up the leaderboard, if yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> Soberu Arasaka, the like CEO of Arasaka Corp, who is also the emperor of Japan. <laughs> we should put a spoiler warning in the show notes. We should at this point. <laughs> I, we talked before, and I was like, I want to try and avoid spoiling the show, but I just got too passionate. And yeah. there's so much good shit to talk about in this game that just requires spoilers. We give here's, you a spoiler alert, okay? So here's my final notes on Cyberpunk is you were going to want to play it in about a year. Yeah, six months okay. to a year. Six months there. to a year, you're really going to want to play it. It's going to be like Fallout 76, where by the time the game is what it promised it would be, no one's going to care anymore. Fallout 76 yeah. is still a piece of trash. Just saying. Yeah. I would say a better comparison to what I hope is going to be the case is going to be No Man's Sky. I never played No Man's Sky. I don't remember the original hype. Yeah, so you the original hype, the huge fall, and now it's back to where it, not fully because some of the stuff they promised was just ridiculous, like literally every having its own custom like uh, chemical table. and that having that making up like everything uh like that's ridiculous that was obviously bullshit uh but it's gonna reach the same level of like hype 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 fall from grace slow build up back over time yeah that's what we can hope i played recently it's not bad yeah it just it depends on the kind of game you want to get out of it but it's It's not not like that incredible transformative game that it promised much in the same way of cyberpunk Yep. And we um, never got an incredible Transformers game either. Yeah. So add that to the list. <laughs> but yeah, and to Obama. kind of add on to your final notes, my 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 final notes on the game are that um, while it is an incredibly buggy mess, while there's a lot missing from the game, and while you might not be able to play it in a way that you can actually tolerate playing it, um, there is a lot of good there. The storyline mm-hmm. is fantastic. 
The characters inside the game are incredible. The performances by the individual characters are insanely good. Uh, and it is going to eventually be a an incredible game. Will it ever be the transformative game that it had promised it would be? Maybe not. Will it ever be the game that sets the tone for the newest generation of consoles? No, it kind of missed that boat already. But in six months to a year, it will be one of the best games to one of the best games available. I agree. Yeah, something to uh, definitely look forward to when we come back. Nick's going to take us on a little five minute ride. See you then. Nick, take us away. Okay. Uh, so quick this with me. Unfortunately, I have to sit through five minutes of me talking. Um, Why do you say that every time you have a quick this? I don't have anything to talk about. That's my problem. Wait, you don't? You didn't prepare a quick this? No, nah, I'm just kidding. I got it. I got it. <laughs> it's right. good. So uh, let's, let's get it on the road, okay? Start my five-minute counter. I'm going to try and keep it on track. Um, Three, two, one. So here go. in America... There's a certain prestige around home ownership. It may have spawned from the early days of our country when men had to own land in order to cast their vote in elections, but wherever the idea came from, one thing is certain. The place you live is more than just a foundation, four walls, and a bed. It's a location where memories are made, where friends would gather if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, and where life's best moments are had. And funnily enough, it's also a place where we spend a large majority of our time. Yes, there is no place like home. So why wouldn't you want to customize it and make it yours? A television show that can help you do that is called This Old House, and it spawned a do-it-yourself craze that everyone seems to be doing themselves in this COVID-19 pandemic. So why am I here talking about a quintessential dad show? Because I find it entertaining. We can end the quick this now, if you want. Thanks, guys, for listening this week. Uh... (laughs) But why do I find it entertaining? That's the key question here. It's very similar to our episode on process art, in short. I like to watch skilled craftsmen construct things and take a turd of a house and polish it up to the crown jewel of a neighborhood. If you watch this show, you too will feel part of the crew, albeit with less sweat and blood involved. But beyond that, there's something more educational to the watching experience too. You'll feel like these people with decades of experience in home construction are talking directly to you and showing you a multitude of tips and tricks that they've picked up along the way. And this is the kind of show that can be made possible from viewers like you. It's a a PBS show. Much like Mr. Rogers, watching this show will give you the knowledge to not improve your home, but also yourself. So I think there's something here for everyone, not just the 1% of us millennials that do own a home. And I'd say that you don't even have to know how to swing a hammer to enjoy this show. Once again, it shows to you that you don't need a college degree to make a living. There's always trade school. And the men and women in trade school are the people that build America today. And we often forget that or look down upon them, but the truth is they have way more knowledge about these kind of things than we ever thought existed. And the knowledge that these trade people, tradespeople bring to the show is central to how it got started back in 1979. Russell, Russell Morash, the show's creator, thought that the secrets of contractors ought to be common knowledge, so he approached a PBS station, WGBH in Boston, with this idea of a home renovation show. And they were down, so the rest of it was history. 
Then later on in the 90s, this show is what inspired Tim Allen to create his sitcom Home Improvement. But I would note that these two shows are polar opposites. Well, Tim is obsessed with the more power and man stuff. This old house is a departure from the toxic masculine thoughts of only big burly men can do home renovation. Because ultimately, this show is about empowerment. It will give you the education and confidence that you need to tackle any home improvement project. Gone are the days where you need to call a plumber or a mason or a handyman. You have the power to fix everything and anything. Or so you may think. Confidence, as always, is half the battle. And I'm not the only person who thinks this old house is great. The National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, Sciences has recognized it with 19 Emmy Awards and 102 nominations, with the most recent honor coming from 2019 when the Ask This Old House won Outstanding Lifestyle Program at the 46th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards. So give it a watch if you'd like to see skilled, craft, skilled craftspeople work on stuff. Support your local PBS station, and thanks for listening to me ramble about dad stuff. Entertain this old house. Mm. That's all I got. Mm. All right. Interesting. Five minutes on uh, <laughs> home renovation shows. You continue to prove that you are the old man of this podcast, and we appreciate <laughs> you for staying on brand. Despite the fact that I am the oldest one here, you are the grandpa of the podcast. <laughs> really yeah, but am. we are spiritually our age. Nick is spiritually at least a 65-year-old man. Yeah, at least. That means I can spiritually <laughs> retire, right? Yeah, I spiritually yeah. retired a long time ago. Where's my All right, ladies and gents, we appreciate uh, you guys listening to another week of Entertain This. We will be back next week with a very special guest, a very interesting episode that I think uh, the three of us will especially enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, if you guys want some more Entertain This, let me tell you a couple ways that you can uh, get a little bit more bang for your buck. The first is we are officially on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We entertain this. We are technically at podcast entertain this on Facebook. If you look that up in the little search bar, you can find us, uh, throw us a like, throw us a follow. Uh, we post every week, new episodes there as well as, uh, separately on our Instagram, we're username, uh, entertain this podcast. You can find us there again. We post weekly telling you what we're talking about that week but it's also a great place to just scroll through all the pictures and see if something catches your eye and maybe you'll find a new episode to listen to that you missed in the past i know we got a lot of new listeners from our facebook page uh so hi to you guys especially uh you can also follow us on twitter we tweet a lot of stuff so you can go follow us there we're entertained underscore this on twitter and most importantly in the pride and joy of uh of of mine, the little little apple of my eye, uh, you guys can visit our website. www.entertainthis.net is your home base for all things Entertain This. We have uh, little pictures of us up in case you want a face reveal, you want to know what we look like, you can go there and you can find out. Um, or if you want, you can check out our episode tab on there, and those there you'll find... Uh, pages dedicated to each episode that we did with short descriptions you can flick through those uh and see if there's anything interesting that you like each includes a helpful little button at the bottom that you can click on to take you straight to a place where you can listen to that episode so it's all very convenient on our website there once we start selling merch and stuff like that or maybe selling uh uh maybe a, a little card game we're working on um you can find all that stuff there on entertainthis.net so you can check a, that out. there'll be a link included to my OnlyFans account 
There will be a link uh, oh in case boy. you guys look through our catalog <laughs> of pictures and think Michael is just the hunkiest of hunks, which of course mm-hmm. he is. Yeah. Um, you guys can check out his OnlyFans page. <laughs> strictly nude content. Yep. So prepare yourself. It's a great Christmas gift for Grandma. Uh, you can take it on to Shutterfly. Uh, nope. And yep. with mm-hmm. offer code Entertain This, you can get a half-price calendar of the nudes of Michael. They have to be the nudes of Michael or else mm-hmm. it will not work. Yep. Um, well, it's all that exists. So check that out as well. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next Friday. See you guys then. Goodbye. Bye. This episode of Entertain This was written by Michael Savoya, with additional commentary from Nick Mustakangas and Alex Steele. Our theme music is Rush Bubble by Aaron Spencer, with additional music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.